Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. You can My find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at YourBlissPod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. If you have any questions for me, or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Please check out anythingbutcredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts, including Offended, Movie Merge, Going Off Topic, and of course, the Anything But Credible podcast. A gray skincare or hair child or is that something that as life gets more chaotic in adulthood that it, it just found you were able to find that joy in the quiet I actually it was very hard for me to teach myself to have that me time I became a, a mother when I was 20 years old so you know it wasn't really planned but there I was 20 years old graduating from college and I had a newborn baby and it was very difficult to find those quiet moments. And then, you know, I always felt very guilty about it. Um, I, you know, I felt like I have to get a job right away. I had a kid to support. Um, I have to always be on the go. I was taking care of my kid. And if I wasn't, I felt like, oh, I should be trying to do something that is bringing me more income. So I never had those quiet moments. People talked about me time. And I was like, what is that? You know, and <laughs> yeah. I taught my, you know, it's been, it's been a working process for 20 years. My kid is going to be 20 this weekend wow. now. And it's yeah. been, it's been, um, I still struggle with it, but um, I definitely even schedule time on the calendar, my work calendar. And I was like me time because mm. I'm a calendar person. And when I see it, I'm like, okay, time to unplug everything watch a movie, which I love, or, you know, let me just like put a mask. Let me just actually like uh, take care of my head or something that it has nothing to do with work income right. or getting ahead, you know, in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think you're hitting on something that I'm assuming that our listeners, certainly myself, uh, have also struggled with. It's just really it's, it's not feeling guilty about that me time. It's, it's remembering that to operate at our full capacity, we have to recharge. We're like a battery, right? And um, it can be really hard to do that if you're, if you're not taking the time for yourself. Yes. And as I get older, I'm 41 years old now. As I get older, I, I notice like the moment I turn like 35, my stamina level is not as high as it used to be. I used to be able just to, you know, work 15, 18 hours a day, sleep for two hours, go back. And now if I don't get like at least six hours sleep, I can't function. The next yeah. day I'm grumpy. I'm just moody. It's not a pleasure for anybody to be around me. And I learned like, you know what, no matter what, I have to disconnect. I have to just take care of myself, go to sleep. And then, you know, the next day it can be productive because it wasn't, it's just not productive if I don't get that good, good night of sleep. Um, and yeah. it's not a pleasure, you know, my whole team yeah. suffers when I'm um, sleep deprived. Absolutely. Tell me how you, how have you 
expanded that to support and encourage your team to also seek out that me time. Cause I think that, you know, there's probably, I, I would imagine that when you weren't doing that, there was probably a feeling around the team of, Hey, we, we can't do that either. And I'm wondering if that, if that culture has shifted and if you, how do you encourage people to, to take that time for themselves now? Yeah, that's something um, I feel like is very common, especially for women in the workplace we tend to feel quite guilty to leave before our boss leaves the office. But sometimes, you know, especially in the line of work that I do, editorial and content um, and, and TV production, everyone has a kind of a different schedule because you get to go to work events, work meetings, and a lot of the work events will be in the morning, a breakfast event. So then your boss will go to the breakfast event and then coming to the office probably like around 1130 you were there already probably since 8.30 in the morning. So then like around 5.36, then, you know, you want to leave, but then your boss is there because, you know, she missed those hours in the morning and now she's playing catch up. And I've been in positions where we were there sitting, trying to go home, you know, but the boss is still at the office. And when right. I, it was my turn to become a boss, I, I was very clear about, you know, Everybody has a different kind of schedule. As long as the work gets done, whatever is like your daily goals, that's the only thing that matters. If you accomplish yeah. that in two, three hours, by all means, just go and enjoy the rest of your day. If you want to get ahead and they start the work that you have to do the next day, do it. But, uh, you know, so in our office, uh, people will live at 3.30, 4, 4.30, you know, it's not like, oh, clock out at 536 just because I'm there, you know. Sure. So that definitely um, is something that I have implemented with my team. And we all follow that and we are all happier for it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That quality of life really, really does increase when you're able to find that work life balance. That was something as a young professional, I was the same way as you. You know, I was not. Uh, keen on not spending 18 hours a day at work. And it, it made everything suffer. It made my relationships suffer. It, it definitely, you know, affected my mental health. I'm guessing it affected my physical health as well, because I wasn't, I wasn't kind of attuned to all of that. So I, I agree. Like once I, and I, and I hit burnout, like a complete burnout. So um, once I hit burnout, kind of hit rock bottom, it was, I was able to build it back up and say, I think I really need to focus um, on this. Um, I'm curious just because of your work kind of in the wellness area, if any of that has, you know, also contributed to you saying, Hey, I'm doing all of this stuff around wellness, but I'm not taking care of myself. Yeah, that was very important uh, for us as a whole team too, because, you know, with all things hair.com, we talked about not only about hairstyles and, you know, haircuts and hair color, but we also talk about the hair care portion of it. You know, a lot of it is like thinning of the hair, balding, um, premature, alopecia, and stress and how stress just plays such a main um, role when it has to do with, with uh, your hair falling out. So here we are researching and talking to trichologists and dermatologists, and basically they are all talking about stress. And here we are stressed out, trying to get these um, articles out and doing right. the research and everything. And then we're like, wait a second, like, is my hair falling out? Like, am I, right. am I? So we weren't really like 
preaching what we were telling people. So yeah. we definitely started to take the, a different approach. And everything, like you said, I've been having a career in editorial, mostly on beauty and wellness. So it, it seemed that, uh, you know, the goals that we have to deliver were into, you know, the traffic goals and, and the visitors and all these data that it was very numbers driven and the people on top, you know, they, they are like, how many, how many visitors you had, how many, the SEO and how many searches and all these things. Uh, it wasn't aligned with the content that we were putting out there. So we definitely change our approach. And I feel like the, if something good came out of the whole pandemic is that uh, finally taught these very traditional corporate ways of working that, you know, you can work at your own pace and still deliver the same amount of goals. Yeah, I think we have found that as well. Um, I work at a university and we, you know, we've found that too. And while we are back now, which is why um, uh, our listeners can't see this, but my background is, uh, you know, a a shot of the campus um, and I'm wearing my campus shirt and all of that. But it's, we have found that too. We found that we were able to do it for 16 months, not in person at all. And so we have to have that flexibility. Now we're in a new world. It's not the the world that we are accustomed to. It's not the world that it was before. And so I think that's great that you all probably industry wide, I would imagine, but certainly within you, um, within your area said, Hey, we can, we can do this in a different way. Yeah, it, it definitely, um, you know, um, for a lot of people here, I live here in New York city, uh, people come from everywhere. They even come from states close by like Connecticut and New Jersey and the commute to and from the office already were causing people a lot of stress. So, you know, when you have two hours that you have to spend going in in the morning, two hours to go home, you have to add that to your to your value, what you're putting during the day. Um, The fact that we were working from home, you could see the, the shift in yeah. the weight of work of that person suddenly they were more relaxed happier you know sometimes we would go to meetings and you could feel the um uh you know just the stress in the voice and the anxiety you yeah. know somebody needed to go home for whatever reason maybe they had kids or or um whatever it was and it's like oh my god i'm here stuck for this many more hours and then i have two hour commute home and then suddenly working from home they were happier. The stories, the quality of the content was better. They yeah. were pitching, um, you know, it's articles and ideas. And they, you, you, you saw the, the, the change. I mean, you could read it in the article. You could see the images they were using. So right. it was really good. It was a really good change. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I think that came up for us was that people felt more comfortable also speaking up in meetings or, or giving those ideas um, where maybe they wouldn't have felt comfortable if they were in a meeting of, you know, even five people, but certainly if, if it was, you know, meetings of 20 or, or whatever, they, they definitely, that changed completely. I feel like people really uh, not everybody. I, I think there were certainly some some extroverted people who were, who were kind of missing that human connection. And, and certainly I think all of us were missing that human connection in some way. But I do think that it enabled especially some more introverted folks to really take ownership of finding their voice. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. I remember before joining um, Unilever and working for All Things Hair, my previous job, uh, we used to have kind of um, a running joke among the, the team. Uh, it's like you're almost getting penalized from coming to the office and attending the meetings in person. Because yeah. in editorial, you know, you have the, the home base, but then you have people who work from other cities and they cover you know, special events, award shows. So when you come to these monthly or weekly editorial meetings, so everyone who works remote will call in to the to the meeting, and and everyone was in person. And we always felt that sense that whoever was on the phone always got praised. Mm. Um, they they were listening very closely. Nobody was trying to talk over them. But then if we were there at the office on the meeting room. Uh, people weren't really paying attention. They were more. They were more interested in whatever it was the person on the phone. So we always felt like, uh, wow, it's almost it's almost better to take this weekly meeting uh, from home and just call in. Right. <laughs> you know, sometimes when we did that, we didn't feel as as kind of bad that we felt. You know, it, it didn't yeah. feel like an uplifted meeting. It was. It felt very like demoralizing. But the people on sure. the phone who was remotely, they loved it. They loved yeah. their meeting. They have a different experience. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think we are trying to balance the in-person, the virtual, and the hybrid meetings right now. And I don't know that we've we've struck a good balance yet, but I think um, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And again, I think it does speak to that that confidence. And, and to your point, it also speaks to the praise that you're probably getting um, if you're bringing those ideas and you're, you're not having someone talk over you or you're not having to deal with kind of the looks that people are giving while you're talking. And yeah, I think all of that, you know, plays plays a role. Um, I'm curious what what got you into beauty and uh, and wellness? What was kind of the impetus for you seeking that out as as a career path? And um, and again, is that something that's that's always been important to you? So um, I was a journalist before and more on the news newsy world, uh, breaking news and all that. But after I became a mom, my daughter was born with severe food allergies. She was born with everything I couldn't, you know, at the time, this was 2001. Um, it was the big push about breast milk. But gotcha. I realized that it, 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 had to, it, it was very tied to what we ate. Mm-hmm. So they didn't tell us that component. And it turns out, you know, here you are a new mom. You're so busy. You barely have time to eat yourself. Right. And everything that you're eating, which in my case was like, I don't know, a piece of cheese, some bread, some cold cuts, something, whatever it was fast, was easy. And my kid was suffering from it. So I realized that we are what we eat and we really needed to start paying attention. And I felt I was already on the editorial realm. And I I said, you know, there is some information here that is lacking. I saw the whole evolution from, from just nobody caring about what we ate or diets being a taboo, people talking about uh, weight, oh, please don't mention that, it's offensive to the whole body positivity, vegan, um, farm to table, and it's been fantastic to see the whole evolution. So I kind of um, went in because I had a need, because what was happening with me and at home with my child and how I started changing the whole way that, you know, with my husband, 
everything, how we ate, how we yeah. saw food, our relationship with it, and then evolve from there from, well, it's not just what we eat, it's also what we put on our skin. It's also, you know, how we clean, the, the cleaning process. It's, it's just all these chemicals and all these things that my kid was reacting to it. And that's yeah. how it evolved. Um, and they, and I was glad to be one of like the pioneers in the editorial yeah. world. And then as the conversation started changing and the movement took off, um, I just evolved, you know, yeah. with the, with the, with the times. And I was speaking the websites and magazines that I wanted to collaborate and the type of content I wanted to write based on what I was interested in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously that personal connection, you know, probably really deeply encouraged that and also made it probably so much more important and, and built your investment so much into it because you you were seeing this on the front lines, so to speak. You were seeing this at home, the result of this work and the result of the research and, and all of that. Um, I'm curious just from... Uh, like the perspective, like from, from your, uh, you know, from your child, is there, um, a, like ha has any of that, uh, resolved? Cause I know like allergies and stuff can change over time or has that made them really more of a health conscious person also? Yeah. Uh, she was born probably with like 30 different kinds of allergies and she has two now, uh, one she will never outgrow is the three nuts and, and, and seeds. Because yeah. that's quite severe. Um, but she used to, you know, she was allergic to soy, dairy. Um, uh, she was allergic to most fruits and wow. a lot of vegetables. So she has slowly, slowly over the years uh, outgrew all of those wow. uh, main or uh, the other allergies, just kept the three nuts and the seeds, sure. which is okay. She can yeah. have, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in Colombia and we didn't, you know, treats and, and seeds weren't really part of our cuisine. So yeah. I think I had uh, peanuts, you know, just like sure. peanuts and almonds when I was probably like 13 years old for the first wow. time. Yeah. Like it's not something with peanut butter I had probably when I was 18, something like that. So wow. I feel like like um she can have she can live with the other two just she just has to be careful you know wherever she goes she has to make sure that uh, she has to ask and she's been good about it and she's very conscious about what she eats because of that yeah absolutely i'm sure that that has really um that's really built that into her of hey i i just need to be aware i need to you know i need to be reading labels i need to be making sure that when i'm talking with people that this is happening it reminds me that the tree nuts piece specifically we at one point in our office i don't know how this happened at one point in our office we had three people who are allergic to mangoes and i was like how is this just is this a, a thing here in colorado that people just find <laughs> this allergy to mangoes but um one of them is also allergic to, to any type of tree nut and so that that really just made me think of, of that i just thought that was really fascinating yeah it's crazy tropical foods uh fruits yeah. uh tropical fruits are people are really allergic to mangoes and pineapples and papaya it's a very common allergy and i think it's probably here in the u.s is because of the exposure there is mm. a lack of exposure uh to um to those type of fruits 
but it is quite common. I, it's, you know, it's not, I, I keep hearing the mango one and I yeah. love mangoes. So everyone, yeah. sometimes when they mention that, it's like, oh my God, that's a sad life. <laughs> yeah, you're you know, missing mangoes. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, is there anything that you've learned in your career, whether that's through beauty or through, through uh, food, through wellness, that really surprised you? Well, yeah, uh, there is a lot of misinformation uh, on the, in, in terms of the ingredients. Mm. Uh, here in the U.S., that, that's a bigger conversation. I mean, there is, there is this whole, that's, that's like legislation has to do with the FDA. Uh, there is a whole, it's something like in France, Germany, uh, Switzerland, who are like the beauty capitals, amazing capitals of the world, right? Switzerland, yeah. they they have all the labs and everything. So a lot of the beauty products come from those labs. They have something like 8,000 ingredients that are illegal that they just don't use. Wow. And here in the US, it's only 125. Ooh. Wow. And out of those 125, there is only like, I don't know, 10 that they must put on the label. Wow. And I don't remember, I, I, I don't know if you remember, but um, probably like 10 years ago, uh, some states, New York was one of these states that it was like trying to get the GMO on yes. the label. Yeah. And then the trans fat, you know, for food, trans fat right. has to be on the label and became like a huge deal. And yeah. then slowly all the states start passing that they have to say GMO and it had to say trans fat. And it was just mind blowing because you are like, that's only two. If right. you go, what are all these thousands that they are not allowed to use in, in Germany, France and Switzerland, where are all those ingredients? So you know that right. they are in everything that we are using, you know, not just like hair products and makeup products, but also cleaning products, foods, sauces you know canned food it, they are everywhere right so uh that's always been very surprising to me but like i said it's just just something bigger than all of us that's just at the government level but i'm always very aware and i'm, I'm very skeptical of labels um mm. being in the beauty and wellness industry you know every day we get approached by new companies, new brands, that is always new products, new launches. And, right. and they are always, you know, they bring the ironies and the scientists and they are always talking. I always, I always take it with a grain of salt. I always yeah. feel that they are giving us part of the conversation mm. just because we know about these other ingredients. So I'm a big fan of homemade. Yeah. I'm a big fan of natural ingredients. I'm a big fan of anything that you can actually, you know, source from your garden, from your, your local farm. I'm a big fan of uh, sustainable living um, yeah. products. Yeah, I, I, what you said is, uh, I mean, I learned something today. Yeah, that, that's a shock to me. Um, I, I mean, it is a shock and it's not knowing how the rest of the government typically works in this country. Um, it's, it's only a mild shock, but it is a shock to me that, you know, that it, there's such a large discrepancy um, for, to, to have thousands of things banned versus you said 125 and 10 of those they have to put on the label. And like you said, only a couple of those are things that they 
recently have done. And even with, you know, I remember reading about trans fat a few years ago. Um, I was curious about something and something had popped into my mind about trans fat. And I remember seeing that even if there's, if there's trace amounts of trans fat, th- there was still only a certain percentage that they had to actually put on that would bump it up above 0%. So sometimes you would see, you know, zero grams or 0% and it would still have trans fat in it. Um, and I just thought, man, that's just such a, um, it's, it's so deceitful and, and deceptive. And, and it feels like, like you said, that kind of is in not just food, but also in, in the beauty market and, and in pretty much every product we consume, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. And, uh, uh you know, I think the trans fat became like the bigger fight or like the, the sample of it, because at the time it was also, if you remember, it was um, the government was really finally aware of childhood obesity. And there was right. like an epidemic right. on the country at the time. And it has to do with the school lunches and the amount. I know here the major, uh, you know, when the mayor we had at the time, he put a ban on the those mega, mega sized um, cokes that you get yeah. at the movie theaters, yeah. and he really was cracking down on. It's like there is no need have a smaller cup, give them a free refill, but don't yeah. start them, you know, with that huge cup because they will drink it. Um, yeah. So, but you are exactly right. Um, it has to be something like if if there was like, I don't know, 80% trans fat, right. uh, if, if we had a minimum of 35, you have to put it in the label. Right. But, but it was, it will still have like 20, 30, you know, right. 25 yeah. It's still bad for you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember when that happened. So that's why I am a little, I have major like trusting issues and I'm just more comfortable with uh, things that are homemade and and natural ingredients. Have you found a lot of, um, have you found companies that have really made that shift or started in that sustainable uh, area and that homemade, homemade arena? Yes, they are. That's where the whole conversation is going. Even the company, you know, Unilever, which is a huge um, global company, and they have its own wellness and beauty. Uh, even they have new brands. All their new brands are are vegan or vegan certified. Uh, it's all about you know when it comes to the formula, it have to do like. 80% uh, of the formula, natural ingredients, naturally sourced, the packaging, um, you know, plastic free. So they are everyone. I feel a lot of the brands and I'm very, very happy about this. It's that they are all becoming green, sustainable, conscious about um, the health and the environment. And that's where we are all moving forward. Um, some companies are ahead. But I believe that at some point, because, you know, the consumer is the boss. Right. So if the consumer demands something and if a company says, oh, we pull out, we just like launch this whole line of products. Like, for example, with Unilever, they launched this line of products called um, Love, Beauty and Planet. And as the name says, it's, it's, it's vegan, it's, it's organic, it's plastic free. They they contribute to uh, several like green planet 
um, organizations and the consumer, that brand, they launched that brand and another similar, but not as committed. And the other brand disappeared, like literally within two years. It just couldn't compete. The consumer just really went for it. And all the brands they launch after, they are similar to the Love, Beauty and Planet model. So we have that power as consumers to shift um, the conversation and make the change. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I, I think to your point, not just in, um, in beauty products, but I think we've seen that across the board, uh, with, with food, like, like even just making uh, sustainable or, or, you know, plant-based diets are much more kind of not just in, because I think they are, they are certainly like in the, in the zeitgeist, so to speak now, but they are so much easier to have. You mentioned, you know, 20 years ago when you had your daughter, like some of this stuff was still in really its infancy. And even if you could find things at all, that would work for someone who had like a majority of allergies to, to, to just about everything. Like now we are much more well-versed in being able to address that. And I think that that's, I think that speaks to that consumer mindset. And it also speaks to the idea of more people are just conscious around that. Yeah. They used to have very few spots, but uh, they were really like, like for people who were ill, you know, like, you know, if you have cardiovascular disease or you have diabetes, you went to those shops, to those restaurants Uh, here in New York city, they will have couple sprinkle around couple neighborhoods they were crowded, they, they had lines to get in, and you walked in into the place and it hits you with this like medicinal smell mm-hmm. and, and you felt sick, you know, like everything on it. Now it's, it's uh, like you said, it's, it's not a trend. I think it's, it's more, it's a movement. It's like yeah. we are all going uh, to that. Uh, that's where we are heading. They are everywhere. There are restaurants, um, they are not nearly as expensive as they used to be because there is more demand. So it used to be like, oh, if you were vegan or vegetarian, you know, you have to pay like $10 more because um, they, you know, in the kitchen, they were going to go to trouble to alter your dish. Now it's like, it's it's affordable. It's plenty of demand, plenty of choices. And we made that happen. So people, people need to know that they have that power. Absolutely. Can you speak a little more to that? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to call it an, an equity piece. The idea that um, from, and this can be, you know, just, just from your experience, like what you've seen, but I'm curious how you've seen companies really uh, adapt to serving more people, because to your point, like, I think if, there was a sustainability uh, mindset that oftentimes that meant that there was also an increase in price. And I'm wondering if you've seen companies, if you have any examples of specifically at companies who have said, well, we want to make this affordable for everybody. We want to, you know, the whole point is protecting the planet. The whole point is, is, is this collaboration. Have you seen companies who've really gone out of their way to make things affordable and equitable for folks? Yeah. They, they are definitely even big companies like Unilever or L'Oreal, you know, these big companies that own so many, many brands, they, they 
they see the demand. And at the end of the day, it just, it just goes to, it has to do with making, adjusting the formulas of products and sourcing ingredients, you know, uh, is cheaper like to buy something generic sure. than is, is cheaper to actually go to a lab that only use these whole ingredients. And then in order for them to create these products, it costs a lot. So in return, they have to sell it for a quite high price. So, but if the consumer just walks by and said, there is no way I'm buying something like that, um, that's where it ends. But um, I think one of the perfect samples is something like apple cider vinegar. Yeah. It used to be super expensive to buy Mm -hmm. apple cider vinegar. I mean, I think like a tiny little bottle used to be like $20. Meanwhile, the other vinegars you could get like a massive, you know, uh, wholesale bottle for the same amount. Yep. But as the consumer, it was all these articles and about how apple cider vinegar was great, great for bad cholesterol, for dermatitis. It was for um, if you had eczema. So you could use apple cider vinegar for everything. And it was mm. so good for your your health, people start buying it, that $20 little one. And then the companies were like, wait a second, there is such a demand for it. They are producing more and the prices dropped. And apple cider vinegar now is like this as the same price as the other vinegars. Right. So that's what it takes. But I feel like at first it has to be like a, like a common understanding between the producer and the consumer. And right. then, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, whoever is the company, they want to make products that people like and people are buying and the consumer wants to buy products that they like and that work. So yeah. that's an excellent example. Like absolutely excellent. I think you're, you're spot on with that. And that makes a lot of sense. Like it really is kind of that to go back to the collaboration piece, it really is that kind of collaboration between the consumer, the market, and also the company saying, Hey, we can, we can do this for, for this because the the demand is higher or because we've found ways to make our, our practice, uh, more, uh, economical there's, yeah, I mean, there's a variety of reasons that that happens, but I think the apple cider vinegar is is a really, really uh, good example back on kind of the, the self-care piece, which is kind of how we started this um, and, and making sure that you're, you're taking care of yourself in those quiet times that you get to yourself. You mentioned, you know, one of those things is um, yourself also just kind of trying different beauty products and, and, and kind of doing those things. Do you have a current favorite beauty product that you are, you know, really in love with right now? I'm in love with um, a f- couple of things for hair. I love keratin. So I've been using a lot of like keratin-based oils and serums uh, for the skin. I'm really in love with like collagen. And like I said, I love everything that is like naturally sourced. I try to, um, of course I buy, I I get to try a lot of products, but um, I also go for the source and we'll go to like a natural health store and buy the actual oil. Um, and I love, uh, they are really great for, for hair, skin, for everything. And, uh, and it just feel like the experience of, of applying 
something directly to your hair. It just feel like you are in a spa. Like to me, it just feel like yeah. I'm really taking care of myself. Um, and that's uh, that's a little bit of my bliss time. I I just do it. Turn the TV on, watch a movie, or read a book. I love reading, so I I that's my quiet time, my 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 special moment, and I really treasure it. But it took me a long time sure. to 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 learn to value that time. Yeah. Do you remember if there was a specific turning point that said, like, there was a time where you're like, I really need to make time for myself tonight? Was there, was there a specific day that that happened or, or did it, did you feel like it was really more gradual over time? Um, it wasn't a specific thing. It was like probably two jobs ago, sure. probably like probably like eight years ago. And I was in this job where um, I was just in the rhythm uh, I were doing a lot of stuff. My bosses kept demanding more and more and more. And, you know, I was always in this mindset that I never wanted to disappoint. I wanted to grow in the company. I wanted to be promoted. So I just kept like just giving all and all and all and all and all. And then I remember um, the boss that I was having this like connection and kind of understanding that if I was delivering these goals, um, the promotion was going to be guaranteed. She ended up being poached uh, out of the company from another wow. company that it was her dream job. And she left, like literally yeah. she put the notice two weeks and she was out. Wow. And the person that came in, uh, she was like, oh, I know you're working towards this goal and whatever, but she wanted to bring her own people. So then it was, she brought her person in a kind of another position, but then uh, then it became like we were competing. Right. Um, very soon I realized that there was no competition. I was already doing that work for like three years. And this new person, she was really doing something completely unrelated. But I knew at the end of the day, she wanted her friend in. Right. And what was happening was that I was coming home so stressed out that I sat you know, I would be like, hello to my girls. Hi. And I wanted like to make dinner or, or have to spend some time with them. I literally sat on the couch and I fell asleep and it was like yeah. 8, 8 p.m. And right. then I would wake up. The girls will be like, oh, uh, mom, what are you doing? God, you're so lame. And I had no energy. I was mentally and so stressed. It was that burnt out. I, I just right. kept dreaming about the job dreaming about the promotion I was angry because I knew what was happening to me and it was reflecting into my into the quality of life that I was having at home yeah. and I'm like who is this person I hate who I was I mm. hate that the moment I left the office I was drained I have nothing else to give yeah. and slowly I just started turning around um, a good friend of mine was who's older she was telling me she's like you know, no matter what you do, no matter how much you give, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter because she's going to hire her friend. And it was like, you know what? You're right. And I started just like, I, I asked her directly, like we had a review and I said, hey, I've been, do, do you have any intention? And she said, uh, no, I don't think I'm going to hire anybody for that position. So she just like eliminated the position. And then I realized that, you know, it was a huge 
life lesson because after that I was like you know I I wasn't gonna drain myself dry for a job again yes yes yeah and it's it's uh thank you for that and thank you for the vulnerability um in sharing that and I think it's it's such a good lesson for it's a good lesson for myself honestly um it's, it's a good reminder I, I think I, I'm definitely in that place now but it was it was a long time to get there and I think it's a really good um you know a good reminder for the listeners as well like to to not let, even if you love your job, to not let it be the only thing that defines you and be the only thing that brings you that happiness and brings you that bliss, because there are times where that can change, right? There are times where, where these types of things happen. And all of a sudden now you've built your entire identity and your entire happiness around this one thing. And it's taken away from you. Um, So it's really important to, to really open yourself up to finding those things that finding your identity, outside of work. Very important. And it's a lesson that now I tell as my 20 year old, you know, she's going to finish college in a year and she's going to start working. And she, of course, she's in, you know, she's going to find her way and explore. But it's one of the things that I told her right now. It's like, um, you're going to have to be strong and protect yourself first. Uh, you can still grow in a company and you can still give your all as long as it's not in conflict with yourself because you are just going to become, you know, like I was, like coming home drained, falling asleep on the couch at 8 p.m., having no energy during the weekends because you are just thinking about Monday that you're going to go back people are talking to you and you're kind of hearing what they are saying, but you are in your head, just stressed out. I would like, you know, reenact conversations in my head that I was going to say um, and do or think. It was like, it was taking over my life. And, and I tell her, I said, even if it's a good job or a bad job or whatever, you just, you have to set that boundary. That is like, you know, the work staff stay, I'm allowing myself maybe on Friday, you know, night, but Saturday and Sunday, it has to be for you or you'll burn out, you know, and it's not good. Absolutely. I think that's, that's absolutely excellent advice that that you've given her. And and, um, I think that's, that's really great to kind of pass that on of like, Hey, learn this before uh, you have to right? learn it now. when when you Mm -hmm. can kind of take ownership of that, I think that's wonderful. Well, just a couple of last questions here. The first is, I'm curious, when you are sitting down to watch movies, do you have a go-to like, hey, these are the ones I'm definitely going to watch? Are you watching new movies? What are, what are some, of your, uh, some of your choices there? I definitely have uh, go-to movies, but <laughs> I love genres of films. So I'm, I love international films. So if I go to, you know, now with I love with so many different streaming platforms, I, I have a collection. I have like, probably like 4,000 DVDs. Wow. Yeah, that I have been collecting for <laughs> over like 20 years. It's like, a, and I love seeing them. My husband sometimes is like, oh, they look messy. And I'm like, you understand, <laughs> they're beautiful. Yeah, this is um, art, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, but now with the with the different streaming platforms, it's like you can go there international session and then you yeah. see everything. So I mostly will pick something, an international film. I love period pieces. I yeah. love, um, those are definitely my go-to. And I also love on the other spectrum. I love 
fantasy and sci-fi. So I, between those two genres, I, I, I always have something that I'm yeah. happy to watch. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. And, and like you said, it spans kind of a, a, a few genres that, that really have a lot to offer too, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of different variants, even in, even in period pieces, right? Just themselves, like there's a lot of variants in what that can look like and, and you can mix styles. And I, I think that's, uh, I think that's awesome. Um, if you had to just kind of, um, narrow down, uh, you've given some great advice to the listeners already today, but if you had to just narrow down how, how our listeners can find that peace and find that quiet and find that time, um, or make that time to, to, to do those things for themselves, what would you, what would you tell them to do? How would you tell them to start? Just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. And it can be anything. It can be just like creating an amazing playlist, music playlist. And just pick a time, you know, you say, I need 10 minutes, 15 minutes of quiet time and just add this, the amount of songs, the number of songs that you know that you listen to the entire playlist and it's like 10, 15 minutes. Um, yeah. You know, set, set yourself uh, this is what I, something that I used to do. I mentioned I love writing. I, I love reading books. I said, I'm sitting down with my book and I'm reading two chapters. Yeah. And I'll just sit and disconnect everything and watch and read my two chapters. I feel like thinking about taking the time, planning to take the time, it never works. Especially now that we are trying to, we are like having this blended system, like maybe some people are like part-time at the office, like it never ends. You know, when you work from home, it never ends. You have your devices right here. It's hard to disconnect. Just do it. Um, And that's the the best way to do it. Some people, I have some some of my, some of my coworkers, her bless, it's like she loves taking long showers. Mm -hmm. And she just goes there and takes a long shower. It's like, okay, that's, that's your bliss. Do that. Yeah. Don't think about it, just jumping in the shower, you know, just, just do it. And, and you'll feel definitely renewed, uh, you know, after that time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that. Um, we love the, uh, the Nike idea here on, on what's your bliss, just do it. Um, and, and it really is, it's the truth. Just do it. Um, you, you got to start somewhere. So you, just make the time and, and, and do that for yourself. Um, the last thing, uh, Melina is just, what would you like to promote? I would like to promote, uh, I, I was talking about our website, allthingshair.com. It's such a great destination for anything. It's not just about hair, but everything that goes beyond. We have a lot of uh, like um, um, self-preservation uh, and advice there. Everything from stress-related conditions to a style is such a great destination. And my personal blog, Food Versus Evil, same is more um, inner beauty, outer beauty. We are what we eat, our ingredients, and how we can definitely make a, a change by being a little mindful of what we consume. That's wonderful. 
And um, as someone with uh, with long hair, uh, I am really excited to keep uh, checking out all things hair. I've already found a couple of great articles there that have, that have uh, inspired me. And like you said, it, it is more than just hair. To um, you know, it's it's style. It's 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 self help, uh, so to speak. It's it's really uh, a lot on there. We'll make sure all of that gets in the show notes as well. Well, Melina, it has been an absolute pleasure for me. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation, and I think it's 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 been a, a real treat to also see somebody who is, is so extremely successful, but also understands that value around taking care of the self and, and, and kind of separating the, the work life uh, pieces, because I think it is not always easy. So I think you're, you've done a really great job of that and, and are an excellent example for, for those who are trying to, to figure that out. Thank you, Thomas. It's been equally rewarding for me. And it's amazing to have these uh, reminders to, to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves and finding that bliss in every every single day. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll see Thank everybody you. next time on What's Your Bliss. Thank you.